And I want to start out with three questions. Where do we come from? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where is all of this going? Those are uh, the three big questions of life that uh, mankind has been asking for generations and generations. And those three questions have direct and major impact on how we live today, every moment, every hour, every time. Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where is all this crazy going? Um, it's interesting. We just, in the song right prior, made correlation to what's ahead and how that matters to how we live today. It's the same thing for us. We're in a series right now, Growing Forward, that we're taking a look at uh, going back and going forward and living new today. And, and it's interesting that we ask the questions, where do we come from, why are we here, and where are we going? And it's interesting that God's Word is structured to tell us that. And in fact, in the whole movement of Scripture, you go to Genesis, Genesis begins with telling us where we come from. Genesis even includes why we are here. You go to the end of the Bible, Revelation, and it essentially is talking about where we are going. Listen, if those questions weren't important, God wouldn't include them in his word. But he does, and they're therefore are harnessing them because, I'll say it this way, this kind of sounds like a movie, but we live in the in-between. We live in the in-between of where we come from and where all this is going. And uh, my experience with myself as well as with others, that it generally goes like this. Uh, those who are in Christ are like, I want to grow forward in Christ. I, I want to understand where I'm living. I want to grow and change. I want to be able to handle with my life situations and struggles in a way that honors the Lord. So, so can you give me the steps? Just give me the steps. Like, whether it's three steps, five steps, 12 steps, I don't care, just give me the steps because I want to get there. And I understand that. And I want for you to know, we're going to get to steps in this series. But, but friends, in all of this, if we don't understand where we came from and where we're going, we're just, well, I'm going to say it this way, we just become behaviorists. We just become people who are seeking to shape who we are and what's going on for, well, whatever the answer we're wanting to find out, for inner peace, for ease, for comfort, for happiness. And yet, in this whole series of growing forward, I am just dedicated to not being a behaviorist. I want us to see the whole picture and that's why we're spending some early months. In fact, the next couple months, we're going to be spending looking back, looking forward, and then we're going to spend some months in what it looks like to live new. Because if we don't have those grabbed a hold of, we're just going to become, well, behaviorists and selfish. And I don't want that to happen. 
So we're going to put the whole framework together as we move along. And so uh, here uh, today is the first of five Sundays of looking back. Uh, We're going to spend five Sundays looking back. We're going to spend three looking forward, and then we're going to spend time getting after it. Uh, But these five Sundays looking back, uh, we're going to go back to, well, the beginning. So if you would, would you open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. I don't think I have to give a page number, but if it helps, page 1. Somewhere right around there. Genesis 1. And as you're getting there, I didn't mention last Sunday, I just want to encourage you, we just, as time going on, we just have so many people coming and new people coming. And, and if you're not used to bringing your Bible to church on Sundays, I want to encourage you to do that in this series, particularly for this year, whether that's digital, whether that's, uh, I'm, I'm an old guy, so I love paper. Give me the paper. And with that, because there's just something I can tell you, I learn more when I have it in front of me and I see it. And ultimately, we're not here to hear what I have to say. We're here to hear what this has to say, right? And so with that, if that's just not a habit of yours, it's not a shaming moment at all. It's just, I want to encourage you to consider bringing your Bible. I think it'll help you uh, as we go in this. We're entering Genesis. And whenever people enter Genesis, it's kind of like when people enter the book of Revelation, uh, two things commonly happen. They either are kind of have like this freak out thing going on or this geek out thing going on. You know, because it's kind of like when you enter Revelation or Genesis, it's like, oh, the freak out moment. Whoa, we're entering weird. I mean, we're entering like stranger things. You know, or it can be like, oh, you know, we're going to Genesis and Genesis 1. And oh, so here we go. We're going to get into this mythology like, this unscientific, this kind of religious fake news conversation. Oh boy, here we go with that. Hey, I just want to say if you're freaked out going in this, just hang on. We're just going to let it have it say what it has to say. And we're just, and you make decisions based on that. If you're in the geeked out realm, that's generally like, it's like oh. Oh, I can't wait, man. We're going into Genesis, like Genesis 1, and it's like, oh, I got to geek out on all my theology hobby horses, and, and I can't wait to debate him on issues. And, and it's like, I am going to so send him my alien podcast recommendations and, and uh, things that we just, hey, hey, can I just say to all of us, hey, it's God's word, and it's there for our benefit It's there for us to learn about God. And in this, I think we can take a word from a commentator's name is Gordon Wenham. And he says this, just particularly about the science debate. He says this, the Bible versus science debate has most regrettably sidetracked readers of Genesis 1. Instead of reading the chapter as a triumphant affirmation of the power and wisdom of God and the wonder of his creation, We have been too often bogged down in attempting to squeeze scripture into the mold of the latest scientific hypotheses or distorting science facts to fit a particular interpretation. When allowed to speak for itself, Genesis 1 looks beyond such minutia. There's a word for us there in that. I understand all of the interesting conversations and and, and curiosities about things. And there are the times for those. And even the debates, there are the times for those. And in fact, here in two Sundays, I'm going to take a Sunday and I'm going to talk with you about why I'm a seven-day creation guy. And uh, by the way, just know this, it's not going to be mad about it. It's not going to be like you're a freak if you think differently. 
I'm going to tell you there are some really godly people who love the Lord deeply, who view the movement of things differently than I do. And they love the Lord. And I even kind of want to try and do it as a pattern that we can actually have conversations and actually not be mad about things. So we're going to have that, and there's a time for that. But I just want for you to know, like this Sunday and all the other Sundays, we're just, let's let the text speak. Let's, let's enter it to hear God, to see God in it. Because so oftentimes what ends up happening is all the conversations end up clouding what the actual text is trying to communicate. So we're going to enter it. Let's meet God, okay? Can we do that? Let's meet God and see his triumphant power and wisdom. And so, God, I pray for that. I pray that would take place right now here in this room and that we would behold you. Spirit of God, do a work in our lives. We want to know who you are, and we want to know where we come from and why we're here and where we're going. So, teach. In your name we pray. Amen. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God. God created the heavens and the what? Earth. Uh, many commentators talk about how verse 1 of the Bible is the foundational verse for all of Genesis chapter 1 and really through 2. Genesis 1 and 2 are about the creation account. Uh, but they also talk about how and it is so true. Genesis 1.1 is not only the foundational verse for chapter 1, chapter 2. Uh, Genesis 1.1 is really the foundational verse for all of Scripture. Now let me just take a little bit more time here on verse 1 than I certainly will with the others and, and just walk it through. In the beginning, that's a fascinating statement. In the beginning, in the beginning of time. Know this, there was a time when time began. There was a point in time where at what we know as time had a beginning. Prior to that was eternity past. It's kind of like all of a sudden God started the clock. Time entered into what we know as our world. And the next word, God, it's Elohim. Fascinating word. It's Elohim. It's in the form of plural plural. It literally in other areas of scripture is, is translated as gods. It's plural. Uh, all kinds of argumentation and, and discussion, I should say in a positive way, all kinds of discussion about that. And generally the two are is that it's like, well, it's, it's, it's referencing the majesty of God. It's a, it's a way of referencing the majesty. It can be. Or it's actually, because it's plural, it's telling us, and I'm, I'm acting as if there, I know nothing else about scripture. It's telling us that there is a uniplurality God. There is a multiple, but one. I think it's the latter, and I think in Genesis 1, we see why here in a little bit. But just so you know, those are the discussions on. In the beginning, Elohim. Elohim created, bara. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, bara is only used of God. God created. Uh, I, in my prior uh, um, uh, career, I was 20 years in uh, medical device development. And so I used to create things, and that was in R&D with that. And I loved this, so I'm already geeked out by chapter 1 because of all that. God God created, how cool is that? Uh, God created the heavens and the earth. 
Oh, by the way, something fascinating about God creating is God created in a way that I certainly never created or any um, person on the planet Earth ever created because God created something out of nothing. Humankind cannot do that. You may say, yeah, 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 but we, we go all the way into the atoms and the cells. No, but you have an atom, you have cells to work with. You can move, you can manipulate, but you have something uh, to work with. Uh, humankind cannot create something out of nothing. Elohim did. God created uh, the heavens. It can be sky. I think a, a, a proper understanding of the term here is, I'll term it this way, space. God just created space. Oh, and then what's the next thing? God created the earth, matter. It's an interesting thing here because it's earth. It's not talking about, oh, and, and, and Pluto and, and, and this galaxy and that galaxy. Listen, listen, God created all that. But there is a centrality of everything coming down into the earth here. Which, by the way, even before going any further means what happens here matters. And God is very interested in what's going on here. God created, in verse 1, time, space, and matter. You should already be like, oh, that's bigger than what I can do. Right? That should already be getting our attention on who God is. Uh, verse 1 can be translated, the transcendent, omnipotent Godhead called into existence the time, space, matter universe. I love that. Can't you just see that like on a Star Wars roller? The transcendent, omnipotent Godhead called into existence the time, space, manner, universe. Oh, that's how the Bible begins. Uh, Morris points out, it's often been pointed out that if a person believes Genesis 1, 1, he or she will not find it difficult to believe anything else recorded in the Bible. That is, if God really created all things, then God controls all things and God can do all things. A final note before I move on with the rest of the text. Genesis 1, uh, kind of pulling this together and commentators talk about it. The importance of Genesis 1.1 and what it refutes. Genesis 1.1 refutes atheism because the universe was created by God. Genesis 1.1 refutes pantheism for God is transcendent to all that he created. Genesis 1.1 refutes polytheism for one God created all things. It refutes materialism for matter had a beginning. Genesis 1.1 refutes dualism because the one God was alone when he created the, I think, the uniplurality God. Genesis 1.1 refutes humanism because God, not man, is the ultimate reality. And Genesis 1.1 refutes atheistic creationism because God created all things. And I'm telling you, Genesis 1.1 is a big deal. Big deal. By the way, where do we come from? One sentence into the Bible and it's already answered. Oh, the money would be saved. In the app, trying to research that whole question, it's right there. It's right there. 
verse 2. And the earth was without form. It was formless. It was empty and, and void, no inhabitants. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And, and the Spirit of God, that word there, uh, context derives its meaning. It can mean spirit. It can mean breath. It can mean wind. Uh, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Uh, there's so many conversations that can be had here, but I'm just not getting in it because I'm staying at the top level of what's the text saying and just take it in. I, I would say it this way. In verse 1, we're told what happens. In verse 2, we're kind of given a blank canvas that, that God created time, space, and manner, and it's a blank canvas. It's a blank slate waiting for God to do something with. Dun, dun, dun. Verse three. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Oh, and God separated. By the way, are you already noticed there's a pattern throughout Genesis? I'll note it here and just leave it there. The word and is used again and again and again through chapter one and chapter two. And the reason for that is because and, and is a connector. It connects things. These are not random things just thrown in. It's and, 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 and. It's important to understand that in the flow of this. It's not just that, 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 and there's no connect. It's just, there are things. Oh, and it's what God did. And, and note, God said, and God saw, and God separated, and verse four, and God called. God is active in this. Elohim is at work in this. And Elohim called the light day. The word is yom. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning on the first Day We have this blank canvas of time, space, and manner, matter, and then we get here to verse 3 through 5, and I would say it's like this, and God plugged it in. It's like it's there, time, space, and matter is there, and then God grabbed the cord, boom, light, and things began moving. It's follow the order. Follow the order in this. And so here we have day one. It's the sphere of, of day and night. I call it, I've got here on the screen with a little smiley face, the yamasphere. Uh, it's my own word made up. Yam means day. It's day, night. It's a cycle. What's happening? The blank canvas has been plugged on. The earth is now moving so that there's day, night. God is at work doing something. Watch this. And he's moving strategically day by day, moment by moment for a purpose. It almost makes you think here in just a little while like God knew what he was doing. Because how often... In our own day-to-day -day lives, do we wonder, God, what are you doing? Do you even know? Mm. He does. Verse 6, and God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters, and God made the expanse. Isn't that interesting? God made an expanse. And uh, 
and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven or sky. And there was evening and there was morning on the second day. Expanse, it's a thin, stretched out area of space. We would call it the atmosphere. Separated waters. We would call that scientifically the hydrosphere. Um... By the way, don't jump right now into, how did he do that? Don't get into the mechanics right now. Because actually, Genesis 1, 1, Genesis 1 is not focused on us getting all into the mechanics of it. What Genesis 1 is about is for us to hear it. God took care of the mechanics. But here in all of this, we have day two. It's the sphere of the air and the water, or as we would call the atmosphere and the hydrosphere. What is God doing? Answer, God is preparing things for life. Strategic step by strategic step. Verse nine, and God said, let the waters under the Heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear, the lithosphere, which contains the pedosphere. And by the way, if you think in this, man, Sam, he knows his science. Like it's, no, I learned it all this week. <laughs> Genuinely authentic on the table, learning the t- terms of it all. The lithosphere, you, you have the, the, the crust of the earth and the pedosphere is kind of the, the, the land that's there. It's like, can't you just, like in our CG world now, I love it, we can like picture this in our minds, and you should. Don't get in the mechanics, just let God be God. And he gathered together, and it was so, verse 10, and God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, And God saw that it was what? Good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, uh, the biosphere, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which there is seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so, verse 12, and the earth brought forth vegetation. Can't you just hear it like crackling? Um, Too many movies, huh? The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, trees bearing fruit in which there is seed, each according to its kind. And and God saw that it was good, and and there was evening and there was morning on that day. The third day, Doug, are you going to talk about the word kind? No, I'm not going to, because we're staying on the big picture of it all. What do we see happening here? We see here on day three that the sphere of land, the lithosphere and the pedosphere and, and plants, the plant biosphere, is coming to life. Man, God is cool. Man, God is cool. Verse 14, and God said, let there be lights. I literally, in my Bible, I have S circled. It's lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons for the days and the years. Do you realize that? That that, that all the stars and all those people who know that, how everything forms, we we don't do that much anymore. Uh, Some of you do, but in the stars and how that forms and how planets move and they could even read time and see things and move things in the time and the seasons of the year. God put all of that in movement and God put all of that in movement in just the kind of a way so that we could even be able to see and behold and, and use that as a mechanism for life here. 
And let, the, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. By the way, I still do not understand. I understand reflection, but I still do not understand how you can go out at night at times and the moon is there and it's like glowing. Hey, I understand reflection, but I still don't get why that thing's lit up. Sometimes just wonder in it. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day, over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was what? And there was evening and there was morning on the fourth day. The sun, the moon, the stars are put in. It's day four, the celestial bodies, the astrosphere is put in place. Verse 20. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. By the way, first time the word living is used here. And it's creatures, living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. And so God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them. By the way, that's the first time anything like that is said. And yet it's going to be said again here in a little while, but it's going to be said uniquely different from that. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters, the seas, let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning on the fifth day. It's day five. There, there are now animals for the water and animals for the air, animals for the atmosphere and animals for the hydrosphere. Do you see how God is moving here? I mean, I'm, I'm specifically using, quote, scientific words here for us just to even to grab a hold of the mechanical movement, not, not in all the details of how it's done, but in the sheer movement of what's happening with all of this. Again, it's kind of like God knows what he's doing and he's methodologically moving along and doing it and wanting us to know that is the kind of God who created us. Friend, you are not here by random. You are not here by mistake. We haven't even gotten out of chapter one and we've already met a God of strategy. Verse 24, day six, it's the big day. It's all been moving to this and God unleashes and God said let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds well I thought he already did no no no. hold on livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kind God is now bringing up animals for the land remember he we were just told he had animals for the sea and animals for the air but now it's time for animals on the land God's getting on the lithosphere, uh, pedosphere of things. And he's doing things with that. It already has plants and all that is there. And now it's time to put living creatures on the earth. And it was so. Verse 25, and God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. That's a very interesting way to say that. And in the original Hebrew, it's plural. So it's 
correctly there. Wait a second. Elohim is plural, and now we have an us and an our. Our. I'm not going to go into all the details. I'll just note this. Some who believe that there is a single God, not a uniplurality God, view this as God is now saying this to the angelic beings that have been created, which I'm not even getting into because I don't know when they were created, but they were created somewhere in there. I don't think that can be the case at all. Because in this conversation, it's let us make man. No, they're not making man. In our image, wait a second, angels, uh, wait, wait. it's like God is equating himself. In, I'm just telling you, something doesn't make sense with that. But if God is a uniplurality God, a Elohim plural God, it makes sense. The Godhead is working together in this. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so Elohim created man, Adam, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. Today, we don't have the time for the conversation about what that means. Can I just say you do this? You just look at that and you are awed by that. Because... God has not said that about anything else he's created in the entire universe. Not the animals, not the waters, not the atmosphere, not the skies, not the earth itself, not the moon, not the sun, not the stars. He says nothing about they are in my image. Listen, what's the walk away? There is something special to God about mankind. Now, don't get too proud of yourself. Just behold that. If you struggle with value, if you struggle with self-identity, hear Genesis 1. It assigns value. It assigns identity. Where did we come from? God bless them. And God said to them, by the way, that's different than what God did to the animals. God just said, but now he's saying to them. There is this unique dynamic in the language that's going on that God is interacting with this humankind unlike he is, he is interacted with anything else on the earth as well. And he says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit, and you shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for you. By the way, not only are you noticing that all of this is building to mankind, but God is spending more time talking about mankind. Oh, and it was so. Verse 31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was what? Not just good, but very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. It's the day six. God created the land animals. 
creatures for the lithosphere and the biosphere. He's created mankind for the lithosphere and the biosphere. And in all of this, why there can be questions and curiosities wondering in our heads, by the way, I think of which God gave us the ability to ask the questions and consider the curiosities, but just hold on to those for right now. And let's not go there. Instead, can we just see the big picture in all of this and see the very power of God? God said, and it was. I can't do that. You can't do that. We can't create time. We can't create space. We can't create matter. But God can. And God did. He is above all, beyond all. He is God. He is far bigger than you and I. A little while ago, I was listening to the radio and the guy was talking about, yeah, one day when I get to heaven and uh, I got some issues I'm going to be raising with the Lord on I'm like, dude, you're, you don't, I hear you on that. But read Revelation 1 when John just doesn't even have a nanosec to ask a question and he's already face down on the ground thinking he's going to die in the presence of. Hey, all of this is not to make us awesome. All of this is to call our attention to the awesomeness of our creator. And by the way, do you see not only the power, but do you see the order of the one who is in the creating process? Again, it's like God knows what he's doing. Oh, and and me and you and us understanding that God is powerful and that God is orderly. What if we rehearse that in our heads every moment of every day? What if we kept that right in front of us when Life is going hard when life is hurtful, when life is confusing, when life is fearful. Oh, Genesis 1, Genesis 1. God is powerful and God is orderly. I am not God. He is God. By the way, also, uh, one other thing. Do you see the nature of the close relationship of God with creation? You do not get this idea that God created things and then stepped back and just walked away. Just like, whatever. You don't see that. You see, God, even in his creation of it, uh, in the very beginning of it, God, is his fingerprints are all over everything, intricately and intimately. And we are, uh, in a uh, coming week ahead, we're going to be going to Psalm 139. And by the way, that includes all over you and me in his creating us. And God is a relational God with his creation. There is a connectivity there. And in all of this, there is also an identity there. My identity is not in what I accomplish. My identity is not in how uh, famous I am or popular I am uh, for, you know, me, you, us. Listen, know this. Your identity is not in your success. Your identity is right here. And what if we rehearse that in our head all the time? I'm telling you, friends, if we would rehearse this in our minds again and again throughout the day, every day, we would automatically, by the work of God in our lives, be growing and changing. 
because we're girding ourselves with it. So can I just say here at this moment before I finish and uh, reading the first three verses of Genesis 2, let me just say, let's just pause and behold. Let's just pause and behold the triumphant affirmation of the power and wisdom of God and the very wonder of his creation, as Wenham said. What if we paused on that moment after moment after moment throughout each day? When relationships are hard, when the kids are in chaos, when life is just throwing things at you nonstop, when you're overwhelmed. need to just sit in that. And I say that because that's what God did. Chapter 2, verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done, And so Elohim blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it Elohim rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Um, Day seven is uh, the divine rest day. Uh, Again, my own word, the Shabbat sphere. The word is Shabbat, God's Sabbath. By the way, we pretty much have that whole idea of what a Sabbath is kind of all messed up. Because what do we see here? We just see here God just sitting back and just taking it in. Uh, I think the uniplurality God, Genesis 1, is not sitting here and going, yeah, man, let's pat ourselves on the back. Yeah, we rock. But there is worship in it all. There is glory in it all. And it begins wondrous and amazing. And if you know Christ, it's going to finish wondrous and amazing. But until then, we live here and now in the in-between. I'll just note as we close A few Sundays ago, I uh, mentioned that I want to have each of us here through this series prayerfully select two areas of growth that you believe that the Lord would like to have you mature in, grow in. One that you can tell anyone about. Second, just between you and the Lord. Um, Next Sunday, I'm going to begin by talking more about that and getting that in place and asking you to 
over the weeks after that to consider that through. Because I want us to bring the practical back to these very truths. And so let me finish this way. What if your area of desired growth before the Lord has to do with, well, humility or gratefulness or forgiveness or kindness or gentleness? What if it has to do with just how you use your words or where your eyes go? Or what if it has to do with your prayer life or just your time with the Lord Or what if it has to do with just increasingly sharing your faith with other people? Or or what if it is is about changing in that you have a controlling spirit? You just have to control everything. Or or an angry spirit, or a jealous spirit, or a a think-the-worst spirit, or a judgmental spirit? Or what if it's about getting after an addiction, or an idolatrous heart, or harboring bitterness, or, well... What does Genesis 1 have for you in every one of those? Because Genesis 1 in the creation account has a lot to speak into every one of those areas. There is a God. There is a God who created time, space, and matter. He is powerful and awesome. He is orderly. He is relational. And he has created you and I to be image bearers of him. Lord, you're awesome. And uh, we are here to behold you. And I just pray our time here would have done that, would have embraced that reality that we would just walk out of here with even the noise and the activities of life right now going on in our lives, whether it's a beautiful time of life or whether it's a real struggle time of life. Oh God, I I just pray that you would help us to walk out of here and give attention to what we just studied together about and in light of where we're at, what that means. Because when we rehearse where we came from, and who you are, things come into play and things begin to be seen uniquely and we need help. So would you do a work among us in that? Lord, next week as we get in the rest of Genesis 2 and your creation work, just guide us. Help us to be patient You are with us. And help us just to savor you. In Christ's name we pray.